HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, Life's a Banquet, the show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara. Horrible! Starring your hosts, me, Brett and Scott, and me, Zara Tangora. A show about chocolate and wine and bread, champagne and scandal and crackers in bed. I'm drunk! <laughs> Always. Life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet! One another? Consider it done. Welcome to Life's Banquet, the show about all things edible, sputterable, and pourable, and also the highs and lows in those things. It's been a week. Forgot the tagline with your host, Brett and Scott, and... Brett and Scott. It's a one-person show with a woman's voice added. You know that sometimes co-hosts like introduce each other. That's the thing. That's do they why really? All the time. That's why I always did say... Did Regis and Kathy Lee do it? Is people, my question. People... Oh, I'm Did sure, Regis and Kathy Lee do it? I'm sure they did. Regis. <laughs> Please, call in. I know you're listening. Tell us. What did you do? Kathy Lee used to have a podcast, and I highly recommend it. Um, and I was foiled by it. If you listen to her first episode, she these years ago, and she had people that feigned other people's voices. Yeah. Remember, like, Joan, Joan Rivers and... Yes, we discussed this I, on the show. We did. It's... Very creepy. Yeah. So Please go ahead. Listen. You can go on iTunes podcast and go ahead and get yourself some Kathy Lee Gifford. Turn this show off immediately of course and listen she has to that. Just on it. Well, listen, it's been a long time. I mean, seven whole days. Yeah. What I'll, has been going on? What are they, what are they, you? I haven't seen much of you. Have you been somewhere? I did. I went, to, I went on a glamorous trip. Uh, I hurled over this uh, future wall uh, <laughs> over... <laughs> Over the division of North Americas, uh, I went over to Mexico, but I didn't to scale the wall. I actually took a flight. Oh wow, sounds was, dangerous. Yeah, it was very dangerous. Lots there of rapists were, and murderers mm-hmm. teeming in the streets. Brown, there was uh, brown people in cilantro Ooh. and chili rainos. It was horrendous. Uh, no, I flew into Mexico City for the first time in my life, and it's funny because I used to work at a Mexican restaurant. I've worked around uh, quite a bit of. Uh, Mexican people in my life and I feel like and I've had a lot of Mexican friends I was like oh I feel like I've been here before right especially in other parts of the country you kind of get a lot of that cuisine and I was mostly really excited because I'd heard about the markets 
uh, in Mexico City. Yes, of course. And did it live up to they, that? Not only did it live up to the, it exceeded all expectations that I've ever had. And I have big expectations, if anybody knows me. Big expectations Very of the hard market. To there was a market called El Merced, El Merced, and it has everything from uh, piles and and giant the walls of, of uh, artificial flowers and artificial ferns and artificial boxwood. And then you walk over and then you're in the cactus sec- section and then you're in the cucumber section and then you're in the lime section. And, and it's seriously, for those of you that are listening, that can, if you live in America or anywhere that has a Costco, it's about the size of two Costcos. Oh my gosh. Like big wow. co- they're so big, it's unimaginable. I measure everything by the size of a Costco. Whatever <laughs> room I'm in. Yeah. Oh, this room is about one one hundredth of a Costco. This could fit 64 <laughs> big gulp iced teas <laughs> in styrofoam <laughs> cups. You could stack four hundred thousand of these together and they still wouldn't reach the end that's to a the true, moon and back. that's a true listener a, a fan reference and i will say this i felt very inspired about food because there's so much street food and everything everybody is so nice and so proud and everybody and everything is so different i mean you just walk and it's you cannot turn your you cannot turn a corner without food being available at any point throughout the day or night that's amazing and i think that for me dream everything's 50 cents a dollar a taco a this a beer and ever everybody's so proud of their food and yeah fabulous uh, what was the best thing you ate uh i had a goat brain flauta that was delicious to die for naturally yeah to die for that sounds great what was like what was the preparation of that they just had some kind of braised you know flautas are tacos that are rolled and then Mm -hmm. fried uh, but everywhere you go, you know, it's all about the sauces in Mexico. And so, and I was surprised how many variations there'd be one little street and you'd walk around these along the street food and everybody would have the same sort of like, Oh, sliced onions and habaneros and right. serranos. And then the next street, it would be like, Oh, everybody's got this tomato, oregano, Whoa. onion salsa. And then that's awesome. It, uh, and I mean, so it, cool. it, it's beyond. I mean, Mexico City is huge. Oaxaca City was the food I thought was not. I mean, yes, there's mole there, and it's really interesting. This the the town itself was very touristy. Right. I'm sure it used to be a little less touristy. It seemed different in my mind, but mm-hmm. I and the markets. I got in a fight with a woman. Got in a fight with a market woman. Sound I, like you. I asked her how much a two foot long stick of canela, that's a stick of cinnamon, cost. And she told me it was like twenty. It was like a dollar twenty-five in American uh-huh. dollars. And I said, "Oh, you know what? It's really long. I don't want to break it. I'll get it later." And I said, "Oh, by the way, what's this chili?" And she goes, "And I speak Spanish, right?" Yeah. And she's like, "Get out of my face!" Oh. And I said, "Why?" She's like, "You said you were gonna buy that cinnamon stick." And I said, <laughs> "I just was like, I don't have to buy anything. We and need to make a show about you." That was the only time I had an alter, and and the only other bad thing that I saw in Mexico City. The only bad thing that okay. I saw in Over the Wall, the future wall, <laughs> was an, a white American freaked out on a waiter right in front of me. <gasps> I was visiting a friend. I was visiting a friend who just had a baby. She used to live in New York. I was holding a, a baby, if you can believe that, while drinking some mezcal. And I'm watching this guy on the street of, in this gorgeous bar with the nicest staff ever. The most, the one, it was called La Lavanderia. You should go there if you ever go to Mexico City. Okay. And Noted. This man freaked out because he thought the brown Mexican is what he said to the waiter. Are you fucking kidding stole me? Stole his change. And the guy was drunk and belligerent. And I almost, uh, Preston, my boyfriend, and I almost stood up 
and I was going to protect the waiter. And the waiter was just looking at him like, sir, I gave you your change. And then his wife was, they were fighting. It turns out the wife took the change and told him, Uh, and he was drunk, and he forgot. How disgraceful. And he was like, you stupid. (gasps) I'm not even going to say it because it was so horrible and racist. And I was like, that's the worst thing I saw in Mexico City. Of (laughs) course it is. A white rich man. Yeah, disgusting. Being horrible to another human. Really bad, man. Bad manners in a restaurant, I think we can all agree. Anyone listening to this podcast is up there. I would rather, okay, let's say I went to go date someone, and they were like really polite in restaurants and had great manners, but they were like, you know, a couple years ago, I did actually kill someone and hide the body in a ditch. You're like, oh. Well, but if they were a nice person and they had like a good job and, you know, dressed well. <laughs> and just, you know, the person was a thief. Exactly. Okay. Right, right, right. So they hadn't killed. Yeah, yeah. They killed in kind of like a vigilante way. Like a Dexter way. style. A Dexter, <laughs> exactly. A Dexter type. <clears throat> or I had the uh, possibility of dating someone who was perfectly above board, had not murdered anyone, but was rude to people in restaurants, even mildly rude. I would definitely prefer the Dexter. Yeah, we're all about being nice here. Absolutely. Right Actually, here. <laughs> I went on, I was on a date the other night uh, with someone that I've been seeing for a while. We haven't been to that many dinners together. Mm-hmm. Whatever we had, he's, he's always been super pleasant and nice, but the other day, like, they sent us the wrong thing at this, like, very tasty Vietnamese place we went to, and he yes. did not even flinch an eyebrow. He was so kind about it. He's like, uh, I would, okay. he was like, be even nicer than I would be, which is like, or us, you know, I mean, I feel like we would even maybe be like, oh, hey, sorry, like, actually, we didn't order this. But he was like, no, you know, we didn't order, but let's just keep it. Who cares? He was so nice. And I was like, you know what? Whatever happens from here, this is a very good sign about you. You're a good, you're a good, good egg. That's, that's a, excellent you're a good chicken sign. egg. Good chicken egg. Yeah. So I did not go to Mexico with Brenton, mm-hmm. although somebody did uh, DM me on Instagram telling me like all the places I need to go. And I was like, I just saw you like 12 hours ago. And he was like, I just thought you and Breton did everything together. <laughs> who said, I was like, who was that person? Uh, Nick, my friend Nick Thorpe from oh, Frankie's. So funny. Yeah, it was really shocking. I was like, oh, oh probably because you posted on. Okay, anyway, yes. Yes, Great. anyway, I wasn't there. Well, when you go there, do go there. I did go to Oksamoko. No, I'm pronouncing it wrong for a fact. For the second time, yeah, Spe- I don't, Speedy I don't Romeo's new Mexican place in Greenpoint. Okay. Which obviously, after coming back from Mexico City, was going to seem silly and foolish to you, I'm sure. I let you know what. I'll be truth be told, whatever. I'm a curmudgeon, and I looked at their website and I saw guacamole was fifteen dollars, and I said I'll never go unless unless I'm getting paid for. It. Right. <laughs> I have to say it is. I've been twice now, and I'm normally not too. You know, I like. I prefer to like things rather than not like them. I have a good attitude when dining out. I'm of not hypercritical, course, yeah. um, but. I do generally these days, I'm not super excited by a new restaurant opening. I'm like, okay, I've seen it, been there, done that. But mm-hmm. this place, I have to say, give props where it's due, is very delicious. It is pricey, but it is I'll have to, you know, quite nice. I'll have to try it. I'll have to try it. Any clients willing to take me out for an all expense paid five course dinner with dessert uh, after dinner mezcals times three, please go ahead. <laughs> Email us at lifesabanquetshow at gmail.com. I went with Bobby. Ari Breton. Oh, that's really nice. Bobby took a me mom out. and daughter. Mother and daughter dinner. Out on the town, pounding margaritas. My mother is like an animal when it comes to drinking cocktails in the best possible way. She just chugs that shit right down. Wow, a chugger. I'm also a chugger. I have, it's genetic. Yeah, chugging's really... You, know, you are also. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, for example, when I was in Mexico, and we'll continue on with our conversation after this, but we'll, you know, I noticed there, 
I did order tequila a couple times in, in Mezcal, and I'm more of a tequila fan than Mezcal. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mezcal's further in the South, but it's very popular now in Mexico. Okay. I mean, there's lots of bars that look just like a Brooklyn cocktail bar. Right. And, but they have lots of Mezcal, and I got a couple, but you know, you'll get, when you get tequila, you get that little side of Sangrita, yes, which is almost like a, it's like a Bloody Mary mix. It's right? delicious. You get a shot glass. Yeah. And I did have a couple margaritas, but it didn't, I didn't see them flying off the shelves of, right. uh, you know, they don't. I don't know. I drank a lot of beer. Mm. I just, it's, it was so hot. Yeah. Quench, quench the Quench the thirst with goat brains tacos. I mean. Did you have anything when you were in Mexico that had, um, how do we say, cabbage in it by any mm. chance? Did I have anything? You know what? I did. And I'll tell you this. I went to this fun little place called El Pescadito, uh-huh. which is a fish taco joint. Ooh. And this was the other, it was very, it's kind of a local chain in Mexico City. I think they don't have many, maybe three locations. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, they you can get this chili relleno taco. Yeah. That's a fried cheese stuffed chili relleno. And then with it, you get fried shrimp on the taco. And then they have a, a salad bar that essentially, you know, with sauces and condiments. A fixin's lounge? A fixin's bar. And each taco is $2 or $1.50. And it's humongous. It's gigantic. I mean, not gigantic by, you know, American standard. It's just a very nice size. Uh- there's a chili reno and like free I shrimp inside can't. of a small taco. And then, yes, they had cabbage, pickled cabbage, red cabbage, green cabbage, cabbage slaw, adobo sauce. Whoa, dude. Uh, or chilies and adobo. They have what, um, the Baja, you know, the mm-hmm. Baja style. That they had it all. Chipo- they had it all. Lots of cabbage. Lots of cabbage. That's so interesting you say that, Breton, because today's topic on Life's a Banquet, the podcast, mm. happens to be none Cabbage. other than everyone's favorite fart inducing vegetable. Cabbage. Cabbage. Everybody's favorite. Cabbage di- cabbage soup diet from the nineteen <laughs> late eighties early nineties. I've been on the cabbage soup diet now mm-hmm. for twenty five years, and <laughs> I haven't <laughs> lost a pound. Well, <laughs> uh, folks, there are some really interesting things that you should know about cabbage, and that I've kind of refreshed my oh, memory. Please. Uh, well, first of all, let's start with the fact of the American or English. I don't know English and American word cabbage, which actually kind of means uh, it's French for head. But you know, in 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 French, the word uh, for cabbage is shoe. Yeah, which kind of could maybe be like uh, they said maybe it was developed a word that looked like a woman's bun on her oh, ha- on the top that's of her head. Funny, right? So it's it's you know it's just like this tight little cute little Aww. like little button of a thing. But there's all kinds of different cabbages, and I kind of forgot that. Oh my gosh! Of course, there's. Uh, bok choy and choy sum. I those forgot are, that bok choy was actually in the cabbage mm-hmm, family. In the cabbage family, and they're all those cruciferous vegetables, Very right? Stinky. All yes, all related to the broccoli family, the Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what else is in the, the cauliflower? Yeah, as, those cruciferous vegetables, specific, specifically cabbages and Brussels sprouts, can get so smelly sometimes. We, I remember at Brucey, we used to use a lot of Brussels sprouts in our tagliatelle dish, and we would keep them in giant cambros, and they were perfectly delicious and fresh, but if you'd keep the lid on the cambro mm-hmm. for a while, like a day, and then open it up, it would really smell as though there was a pile of dead bodies coming well, from that, the basement. Well, it's very funny because I, when I was doing research, they were talking about, you know, cabbage was sort of a peasant food, right? It was very, mm-hmm. it could grow in cooler regions, and it would grow, it, it's very hardy. You yes. You can withstand a lot of chilly weather, and uh, and it was a big, big fan of peasant food, right? It was very cheap, to, it was very plentiful, and it could feed a lot of people, and it's yeah. packed with vitamins and it's minerals. It's filling. It's filling, and it's satisfying, and depending on you, on how you cook it. Anyway, so yes, rich people also enjoyed it, but they said that sometimes when 
uh, cabbage was boiled by the peasants, that it was too much for the sensitive noses of the high class. And oh, they would be really? turned off by that. It stinks. By that. Yeah, it stinks. But once you've cooked it, it goes away. Yeah, it's that's just true. The, it's delicious. Keep, keep that cabbage out of the kitchen. What other kind of cabbages are there? Well, choice. Some, I mean, of course, you know the big green cabbage that pretty much everybody has that yes. as we hit, uh, what's our big holiday coming up? St. Patrick's Day. My favorite house. Second Avenue. East Village. Get fucked. Shots of Shots of beer. Yeah. Costumes. Favorite holiday. Love that holiday. Anyway, but Chicago dies that whole damn river green. But yeah, so... The green cabbage is called cannonball cabbage. Oh, word. Because, I mean, shocking, it looks like a cannonball. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, choice some we already mentioned, Napa cabbage. Love Napa Savoy cabbage. Savoy cabbage with its gorgeous beauty and ruffled uh, leaves. And Remember those Savoy cabbages that were at the farmer's market this summer? We like got the, late, late summer, early fall? I got the most beautiful. Picturesque. August. Picture it. 2018, <laughs> August. Brent and Zara. Yeah. Walking through the farmer's market. Instant. <laughs> So her's telling Brent Instagram IGTV hadn't hadn't boomed yet. I'm telling Brent my deepest darkest secret, and he's immediately distracted by the sight of a glorious cabbage. But you know, so when you think about, as I looked over, I said this cabbage vegetable that we have is so important to so many cultures. I mean, an American. Absolutely. I mean, what would we do without coleslaw during a during a Fourth of July picnic? Mass suicide. Obviously. Mass suicide. Obviously, what would Koreans do without kimchi buried in their backyard. They'd be freaked out because I actually just read that Americans eat about 1.5 pounds of cabbage, like particularly sauerkraut a year, Mm -hmm. but Korean people eat approximately 50 pounds of kimchi a year per person. and I mean, think about the Irish have have cabbage. The Mexicans put it on their fish tacos. I mean, (laughs) other tacos. No, of course, there's tons of other things. I mean, we... Polish people, German people, French, huge in French... Cooking, Scandinavian, Norwegian, Russian. Oh my God! Oh my God! Every cult, African. I mean, the Alaskans are freezing it and then making it into big cabbage popsicles. And let's not forget about Guam cabbage stew. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't know if it is, but I bet they have one. Freaking Guam! I bet they have it. So far away. I bet they have lots of cabbage dishes. I bet. I don't know about that. I'm excited to learn. Please, yeah, inform me. I know someone from Guam. If you're listening, please give us your favorite cabbage recipe. So I'm gonna pause on that. I don't know hmm. if you want to. I I'm curious what story that you came up with that I want to find well, out. Wouldn't you like to know? I well, would like to know. How about you just keep your interest peaked, and we'll listen to this commercial break really quickly, and I'm gonna come at you fast and loose, oh just my God, like a cabbage. I hold part. on. All right, <laughs> all right. Be right back after this break. <laughs> my name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hey, welcome <laughs> back. Up, oh, my God. I look, I, oh, my God. Behind the scenes. About, yeah, oh. Did you hear that cabbage? Oh, my God. Anyway, sorry. We were discussing our uh. favorite. Oh, you're just talking. You know, it's so funny. I never thought I would have such a craving for cabbage as I did Today is, and I'm sitting here salivating about cabbage. I know. I actually, you know what? I really love cabbage, and I feel like, in some way, admitting that makes me unattractive to men for some reason. <laughs> you know, like anyone <laughs> listening to this is going to be like, I did think that Zara was on so Zara's J date on your J date account. <laughs> <laughs> if you had one, it would be like, Hi, oh, I Zara, like, actually, yeah, yeah, you loves two. cabbage. You're like, loves cabbage. Like, no wonder, 
no wonder you're not getting any dates. All right, take that off. Let them know after year two. I know. That's something you say when you on the like when you're engaged. You're like, and I have a secret. I, I love cabbage. Secret. I love cabbage. I can't stop. <laughs> Last night I made um, meatloaf. Becky came over and I made a meatloaf. Oh, and I was telling go. somebody that I made meatloaf and I felt instantly ashamed. Even though there's what? Because in this weird, there's nothing really different between a meatloaf and a meatball, right? And it's delicious, and it's actually very was very healthy. I oh, mean. wait, hold on. It's 420. <sighs> uh, okay. Like, let's just bite into this joint Just kidding. I already, I already ate some weed coconut oil today. <laughs> Ding I'm dong. back. Of course. No more microdosing, but I'm back <laughs> on the coconut oil. Lubricated. I guess I just felt like as a woman who's looking, looking per nub out there mm-hmm. that um, admitting to cooking meatloaf for me and my other female you know friends what? I sounded bet there's aggressive. A, there are a lot of men that would, would love uh, some meatloaf. Okay. Well, if you're a man out Most there. Most of them are gay, but. Hey, call, call me. <laughs> man out, meatloaf loving men out there looking for so, a. So, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. But tell me about your meatloaf. Who cares? Meatloaf. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it was delicious. It was like steak tartare style. Wait, you made raw meatloaf? No. I just put all the. <laughs> <laughs> you get it you're just like this loaf of and you get like a slice that's not a bad idea it's a great idea it's, it's a just, great idea it's, if just picture becky and i sitting down to like a three pound raw meat of <laughs> don't put it past me i i'm actually now i'm like i would eat a raw meat loaf. you know what hey single man out there looking for someone to share a raw meatloaf with yeah. call me <laughs> yeah thanks it gets weirder by the minute <laughs> so anyway back to cabbage okay brett and i have a question yes what do you call a cabbage murder a cabbage murder? Yes. Oh, that's a very good question. Go- a slaughter. Mm. Um, one more quick question. <laughs> why didn't the cabbage win happen. the race? Why did? Why I don't I don't know. Uh, he wasn't ahead of lettuce. that's the best fake laugh i've ever done (laughs) (laughs) what a great joke zara um okay so i'm gonna talk about the history of sauerkraut briefly Mm. which is my i think number one favorite i eat a lot of sauerkraut again embarrassed (laughs) i'm realizing i'm gonna be permanently single it's fine oh she's so so pretty cabbage meatloaf eats so much cabbage um the word sauerkraut is german and it actually means sour, which is S-A-U-E-R, and mm. then kraut, which is the vegetable cabbage. So it's just sour cabbage. And it was actually uh, kind of invented to, about 2,000 years ago by Chinese laborers building the Great Wall of China. And it wasn't packed in salt and lacto-fermented like the German version of sauerkraut. It was actually packed in rice wine. But it was still a sour version of cabbage. And then the uh, Germans and Dutch kind of who were infiltrating China brought it over. That's crazy. I just back. read that, and not to interrupt your story, but that no, Romans, before a heavy night of drinking, would have cabbage soaked in vinegar, oh, aka really? kind of like a sauerkraut. Yeah. And it is supposed to prevent your hangover the next day. So, uh, folks. That's it. amazing. I haven't tried that yet, but I'm going to right now. I would love to. The problem that I find is, like, I love having sauerkraut, but what I realized is that in my research, actually, yeah, yeah. Is that jarred sauerkraut? I always get like organic, really nice sauerkraut, and I try to have some a couple times a week. It's so quote unquote good for you. Mm-hmm. It's freaking pasteurized, the stuff in the yep. jar. So it's all of the good gotta, gut bacteria is out of it. You got to get fresh you sauerkraut. You got to make your own. And, we, make, and I'm going to tell you later in the podcast how how you can do that okay, great. very easily. You can also get it at some farmer's markets. Um, so anyway, then going forward uh, in the Civil War, um, the death rate from smallpox prisoners from the war was about 90%, uh, and they were curing it and limiting it to about 5% by feeding uh, sauerkraut to the patients. 
mm, from the yes. injured uh, soldiers. Lots of injured yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so then going to the 1860s, German immigrants coming to New York started selling sausage on sausage carts with milk rolls and uh, fermented cabbage, which Can at the time wasn't that sauerkraut. Instead of those damn pretzels we have yeah. now. Yeah, and that's how hot dog vending got so popular in New York City. Let's bring. Folks, bring it back. I know. We want sausage with milk rolls. and Milk rolls and nice sausage and, and homemade home- fresh instead of this crap, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get out of here. <laughs> um, and then during World War One, um, they were afraid in America that we wouldn't be attracted to sauerkraut at all because that had a German name. So they changed the name of sauerkraut to Liberty Cabbage. <laughs> Those, that's worse than Freedom Fries. <laughs> I know. Ah, uh, yeah, it's Liberty Cabbage. You know I mean? So my favorite way to enjoy sauerkraut, although I rarely eat it because it's quite unhealthy, it can pack up to 800 calories per sandwich, is the Reuben. Oh, I thought I thought you meant the sauerkraut. I, I didn't know. <laughs> like cab- I thought a cabbage was supposed to be healthy. <laughs> Brendan's face. Oh, you mean the Reuben with Thousand Island dressing. With and Thousand Island Russian dressing. So a Reuben sandwich, for anyone who doesn't know, griddled rye bread, Corned beef, mm. sauerkraut, mm. Uh, Russian dressing, and Swiss cheese. That's the classic. And I'm here to tell you a little story about the controversy surrounding how the Reuben sandwich was created. Oh, the, because oh this is very... It's not so cut and dry. Well... It's soaked in cheese and <laughs> Russian dressing and blood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was... The Reuben was my childhood go-to sandwich. I love it. When I was... When I wanted to go all out. You know what I love? A turkey Reuben. Oh. I find it to be, I always get one with Bobby. She doesn't really eat corned beef, although she does. Anyway, so the interesting thing about the Reuben is it's classically defined as like, people think of it as like a Jewish sandwich and something you get into in a Jewish deli. A lot of Jewish delis, as we know, are kosher, and Reuben is not kosher because it mixes uh, milk and meat. Mm, So at places like the Second Avenue Deli, you couldn't get it for a while. You like a Katz's Deli where, you know, they now are famous for the Rubens, although they do not griddle their bread or toast it there. So as far as I'm concerned, it's only half a Reuben. But they didn't have Rubens until the 70s. So you wouldn't say that's the most traditional place to get a Reuben then? I don't know. It's really hard in the city to think about. I'll I'll get back into my places to recommend giving one. Hold on, folks. But so anyway, the basic story that... I think most people stick to is told by a woman named Elizabeth Wheel, who wrote this about her great grandfather in an article for Savoy magazine a couple years ago. She claims that her grandfather, Bernard Schimmel had created the sandwich for his friend, Ruben Kulakovsky. So Ruben okay. Schimmel was a wholesale uh, grocer and he was also a hotelier and he owned a bunch of hotels in Nebraska, particularly Omaha. Hmm. And while at this one particular hotel one night playing cards with all his buddies, one of his friends, Ruben Kolvioski, said that he was hungry. And so Schimmel goes down into the basement, into the kitchen, into the basement, sweeps up some trash, and then the Ruben is bored. (laughs) Um, No, he goes down to the kitchen. He whips him up something, which is, you know, the Ruben as we now know it, corned beef, Swiss cheese, Sauerkraut, Russian he was dressing. Definitely, he definitely smoked weed. Griddled rye. He was mad he was, high. He's like, oh my God, that would be so good. And what if I mix the ketchup with... And relish. And what if I mix the ketchup with the mayonnaise? Oh. <laughs> That's like you reincarnated. I, I can was, see you yeah, have yeah. created the Ruben a long time ago. I won't even tell you what I made the last... Oh. 
So God. but then here herein lies this is where all the controversy begins. So the Kovalovsky family claimed that their grandfather actually invented it, not his friend Schimmel. That Schimmel merely oh, yeah, once it became popular. Exactly. Schimmel merely just brought up a cart with a bunch of deli meats and then the the and then, and then Ruben actually invented it, which assembled is, the sandwich. Which is impossible because it's grilled. So we did have also had to have a grill up there. So Liar. they're they're fucking liars. Yeah. So then years later, food historian Andrew Smith reads um, this woman's article about her great-grandfather, Elizabeth Wheel, and writes an article in the New York Times saying, I'm sorry, I, I wish that this was correct, but you're wrong. He didn't create it. Oh, and God, this the is the Reuben feud of... <laughs> Reuben feud! I know! The great Reuben feud. He claims that um, Arnold Reuben, who's the owner of Reuben's, a chain of restaurants that were like high-profile, fancy delis, kind of like Carnegie Deli style, they all closed, but, I think, in the early aughts. Okay, but they were all based in New York. They were all in, in New, New York, York City, City. correct. Okay. And he claims that um, Arnold Rubin created the shot, uh, the sandwich at his East 58th Street location of Rubin's in 1914 for a good friend of Charlie Chaplin's, who is this like out of work actress. She came in and she said, I'm starving, Rubin. I can eat a brick. And he's like, well, instead of a brick, why don't I make you the sandwich? But listen to this. It was ham, cheese, turkey, coleslaw, another cabbage fave, okay, okay. and Russian dressing on not toasted bread. And there, this guy is claiming that that is the original Reuben. It's just a different sandwich. That's a different sandwich. That's it's, not the one that became popular. That's the Larry David. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what this guy's trying to pull. So they go back and forth, whatever, whatever. Um, and this poor woman, Elizabeth Wheel, is still like, my grandfather, I swear, he invented it. And this guy's like, no, no, your grandfather didn't invent it. Celebrities as big and famous as Tom Brokaw are calling this woman to say, my wife's family went to school in Omaha, and we remember the, the hotel. I didn't know this was causing such a controversy. The Blackstone Hotel where it was created. Yeah, it was a huge controversy about where the Reuben is created. God, if only they had Instagram back then. I'd be like, look, I took a picture. Exactly. And it's a look time at the date, stamped. bitch. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this guy <laughs> Smith. the story. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the food historian uh, calls her back, Elizabeth Wheel, after a while and says, I'm so sorry. Um, we've discovered that uh, Arnold Rubin's restaurant did include a sandwich on the menu of corned beef, Swiss cheese, mustard, coleslaw, and toasted rye. And it was called the Col- the Colonel J. Flippen sandwich. Still not the Reuben. This guy should go to hell. Yeah, yeah. What's going on? I don't know what his fucking problem is. He can't let her just have this. He's mansplaining Rubens to her mm-hmm. like for months. Like, oh, yeah, no, no. There was a sandwich and they put uh, kind of like, it was like kind of like a chicken parm, but then in, there was two slices. Swiss on. It was tuna <laughs> yeah. and bread. So we kind of like the same thing. Fuck this guy. So anyway, the nice people of the Nebraska State Historical Society unearthed a menu and he's saying that this was invented in, in 41. Okay. Um, Not so, Charlie Chaplin. No, case. no. So then uh, the nice people at the Nebraska State Historical Society end up uh, finding a menu from Blackstone uh, Hotel where she, Elizabeth Wheel, claims that it was invented by her great-grandfather. And they find an, a menu that has an offering of a Reuben sandwich with the classic prep uh, from 1937, sold for 35 cents. Or you could get it for 50 cents with chicken also on it mm. weird well they must have been very good chickens then they went back and they found another menu from 1934 where they offered it for 40 cents so anyway the end of the story about the reuben is that it used to be very inexpensive it was mad cheap and you could have gotten <laughs> like 40 of them for the price of a half of one now although i'm sure 40 cents in 1940 1940s probably 
well, in today's money, it's over $3 million. Exactly. Um, but the interesting thing I just thought about this Ruben story was just how people like get so attached to something, be, you know, being theirs or just not letting people even be right. I don't know. Yeah, that is very... And all this from cabbage. All this from a pile of cabbage. But also, New York claims to have the steak in the Reuben. And, and a lot of popular... Um, sauerkraut is actually quite popular, as we said, in the in the Dirty Water Dogs. And there's a lot of German restaurants and Polish restaurants over in Greenpoint. Of course, yeah. Um, But I think people think of a Reuben and think, think, New York, Jewish deli. And really, it's Omaha, Nebraska's namesake. But the Reuben sandwich would be nothing without the sauerkraut well uh, since saint patrick's day is coming up and everybody's deciding what they're going to make they're getting out their colcannon recipes mm-hmm. uh you know colcannon oh and i was just in ireland please so tell us about it colcannon's kind of a it's almost like mashed potatoes and you can put kale or cabbage in it mm-hmm. cooked inside of it and uh, delicious. quite delicious i mean kale is used i think just as much as cabbage in some areas totally uh, in ireland and there, so you've, you've got your cult, you know, you've got your cabbage and you, we're going to get some corned beef. I'm sure all of you are, are <laughs> brining your, your briskets right now, ready? You probably yeah. planned that last week. And if you haven't, you can probably go to your local butcher yeah. and get a really nice slab, but you're going to have leftovers. So you should plan ahead and make a Reuben, make a Reuben, get that. I really think you need a nice dark caraway rye. Am I not right? A hun- or a marble rye. Marble rye. Yeah. Yeah. Marble rye. You know what I realized? I had to do a tasting last week for something. Oh, t- tell me what you cooked. I, I had a ma- I made a bunch steak. of stuff. I I was telling you I made a Kedri style brandade. I mm-hmm. made uh, a steak tartare. I made cannoli style granola. I made a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But one thing I made was a patty melt, and I was Classic. really playing around with getting different rye. And I actually really like that Levy's rye bread, which is like a generic packaged rye bread, but I actually think it's pretty tasty. Um, and I'm like, this this stuff's too thin. It's sliced so thin, you can't really make a grilled sandwich on it. So yeah. recommendation, if you're going to make a Reuben or any other grilled sandwich, patty melt, whatever, grill, even freaking grilled cheese, like get get some rye bread, slice it yourself thick. Well, if you were if you live in New York City and there's that famous Moishe's uh, oh, Jewish deli, guess what? I love they, that place. I just found out. I just, just I, for the first time I went there, mm-hmm. and then that said they closed oh, last really? week. But then it, we went by yesterday, and they said that they were remodeling, but that according to Eater, the got oh. you know, the star magazine of the yeah. food world. <laughs> they're like, like the National Enquirer, they're like, Moishes is closed. Don't believe the sign. Oh no, that stinks. I ended up getting mine from uh whatchamacallit not bird but I don't know. But you know what? The other great thing, so you've got all these things. The great thing is that you've Tom got cat, yeah, sorry. You've got cabbage. And cabbage is one of those vegetables. Again, this is another great thing. It stores forever. Forever. That was why it sustained people forever and you know, throughout the winter, you know, this was a vegetable that you could carry with you in your rucksack, and it was very what heavy. What the but hell is a rucksack? A, a backpack. Oh, it sounds like a nut. It reminds me of nutsack, of course. Uh, yes, of course. Everybody's <laughs> carrying around. Yes, women and men and children. <laughs> Put are a cabbage around. in your nut rucksack. Uh, and so you could, you know, these cabbages last forever. So that's a good thing. You know, let's get to this part of the show where we talk about our favorites. Oh, really? You want now, to do top three? Let's do our top three. What are your top three? You know, we're, we're also going to give your recommendation later. We're going to talk about Chef Recommends, but for now, what are your top three favorite ways to cook cabbage? <sighs> well, Since I'm going to kind cabbage of... I'm going to intertwine... I am a cabbage aficionado. I really do like it a lot. I'm going to kind of mix this with my my favorite ways, three ways to cook it, but I'm going to more to eat it. Okay, okay. That's great, too. I'm going to say my three favorite cabbage dishes, which I also enjoy making. Okay. Um, Number three... I know what it is. Long roasted cabbage. Mm-hmm. I love cabbage with like a lot of either olive oil or butter. butter. Or actually, the best is bacon fat. 
Yes, true. Delicious. Cooked at a very high temperature and roasted very simply with just some salt. And it becomes so Tender. buttery and ugh. That was the recipe I was going to give today. I was like, it's not a recipe. It's just, it's more of a technique. We'll talk about it and later. And you basically just said it. You can, you can put tons of butter in this it's and delicious maybe, I, a, maybe a splash of beer or cider oh, or white yes. wine white wine it's great i love it just roasted in chunks at like big wedges in the oven mm-hmm. um and then my second is sauerkraut i love sauerkraut mm-hmm. again i like really if i eat lunch at home which i do often it's really not much of a lunch it's more of a garbage bowl that i eat with my hands over the over the actual garbage or sink um yeah. and a lot of times <laughs> classy girl a lot of times it's some like... Now, are you putting that on your dating profile? Yes. Uh, I like to eat... Garbage bowls. Garbage bowls over the garbage with my fist. You've made heard of cabbage. rice bowls. You've heard of... You've heard of <laughs> Acai bowls. Acai bowls. You've heard of all kinds of like kimchi, Vietnamese bowls, noodle bowls. These are garbage bowls. <laughs> well, usually my garbage bowl will be like a little scoop of sauerkraut, maybe some olive oil, packed tuna, and like some pistachios, and I eat it with my fingers. Hmm. Maybe some tahini. Weird. Indian style. I have very strange eating habits. Okay, and now we're waiting. Uh, (laughs) We're waiting for number one. (laughs) Well, I guess. uh, You already know. My favorite thing to have with cabbage is stuffed Stuffed cabbage. cabbage. And it's one of my favorite foods in general. I love it. It's so delicious. Um, You know, long-standing tradition. My family to have a kind of sweet and sour style stuffed cabbage with dried fruit. We put ginger snaps, tomatoes. It's like, you know, vinegar. Mm -hmm. It's very good. But I've also very much enjoyed stuffed cabbage preparations that I've had. Uh, I I remember at Roman's a couple times I had some delicious like lamb stuffed cabbage with rice and they would do it in like with a Napa cabbage leaf and some like beautiful like lamb broth. Really good. You don't just have to do stuffed cabbage in the like heavy sweet and sour style, which is nice, but there's a lot more to kind of explore. What about you? What's your favorite cabbage? Okay, well, you had me. A couple of these are going to be crossovers. That's fine. Uh, but I do love, I am a kimchi lover. I am And as too. you know, I, I got into making my own kimchi. It's super easy. You just salt it, you ferment it. Everybody, you know, this whole fermentation thing, uh, it, so- it sounds scary and people are afraid of bacteria. It's so but easy. Like, you just put some salt in a water and you can just Google that there's all kinds of um, ratios of how much salt to mm-hmm. water. You can use a scale, you can weigh it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I actually don't even do it. Mine turned out great, but I was getting this purple Napa cabbage Ugh. and making kimchi out of that. Delicious. Uh, so that's my number three. And my number two, uh, again, is that long, that long cooked cabbage. Mm-hmm. I do mine a little bit different. A little different. Little, oh, little twist. No, but I just like to put my, I like to put some Italian sausage. Sa- oh, sausage you in put it. your sausage in the and cabbage. I, and I sprinkle cut a some hole in it? Car- I cut, put a hole in it. And I, <laughs> I put some caraway and fennel seeds oh, when I'm cooking good. it. And that really, that caraway for is that. Oh, just don't get carried away. Don't get carried away. And of course, I'm not going to lie, but I also love stuffed cabbage. However, again, I'll be different. Friends, let's twist. A little different. I don't like the sweet and sour style. Yeah. And we talked about this. We fight about it every day. We fight about it. We, and every was, morning. Last fall, we when cabbages were abundant, I said, you know, what if I don't want the sweet and sour thing? You're like, just make it blonde. Like, eh, yeah, make it blonde. And so basically this this rolled stuffed cabbages, you take an entire giant cabbage, right? And you kind of cut the core out mm. and you dunk the whole thing in a giant pot of boiling water. And then you can take the leaves out so simply. Yeah. Right. So, and I always wonder, you know, I did this years ago, but before <clears> that I was like, how do you peel the leaves off? And you can just kind of peel it one by one. They come off once they're blanched a little bit Yeah. and then you can roll them. And the mixture that I used and for, I used lamb, Yeah. but you could use ground beef, pork, pork, chicken. You could, Mushrooms. Mushrooms. You can make it vegan. Yeah. You can take the other cabbage that you don't use and chop it up and throw it in there. Put an egg in it. And then dried rice. I didn't even cook the rice. Yeah. 
And that's it. You just but, rolled. But when you use dried rice, what is it? Long grain or short grain that you have to use? Well, I it doesn't matter. There's I, one that doesn't cook fast, though. I think it's well, long grain. I think sh- yeah, they they both. I think brown rice just is the only one that doesn't cook fast. I don't know. I had some issue. I've had. I've used both in my days. Rice is something that I don't really. I don't know. Rice and I got to measure it. I'm not a measurer, but I learned uh, when I was a child in, in, it's very easy, in Costa del Sol in Spain from a, a Spanish grandmother, so I don't know what to... <laughs> I also love... Col- if we're just going to talk about things that we like with cabbage, I also do really like cabbage soup. I love pickle soup, which has like sauerkraut in it, which you get in a lot of Polish places. Mm, Delicious. Pickle soup. Yeah, there's like pieces of kielbasa in it. Um, sauerkraut and it's like creamy. It's delicious. Well, egg, the world of, chopped up egg. The world of cabbage is abound with coleslaw. coleslaw. Did I say that? Yeah, love it. And of course, so yeah, so of course, we both we both had similar things. Now, chef recommends. I'm going to yeah. recommend something. Go ahead, is chef. We always think of cabbage as what we're just talking about, right? But I love to use. I love raw cabbage salads. So do I. Like and, a chi- like a Chinese chicken salad from like. Mm-hmm. The 1990s. And I even like to have mine chopped a little bit bigger. Oh, uh, yeah. I use purple cabbage a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason purple cabbage is purple is because of the acidity level in the soil. Sometimes really? they say, oh, purple vegetables are healthier for you. They have more vitamins and minerals. That may or may not be huh. true in certain in certain instances. All I know is it looks very Instagrammable. That's just lovely. <laughs> you can but use it as a dye for your clothing. You can use it as a dye. You know that you can put cabbages on your wounds and they have anti-inflammatory properties? Um, actually, I did kind of because when I was reading that they were uh, about yeah, cabbage, it was saying that you could put sauerkraut juice in your mouth uh, if you have a canker sore. Yeah, and all kinds make of it stuff. Go away. It's very powerful. Cabbage, it has a ton of vitamin C. It just get, you know the thing with cabbage. Not to derail you from your chef recommends, but I, I just want to speak on cabbage for a second. Mm-hmm. I think it just gets a bad rap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just oh cabbage. It's disgusting. Like, oh, it's, it's always boiled. there. Honestly, it's good when it's boiled. What's the problem with boiled cabbage? If you put a little salt on it, it's like sweet and delicious. Did you ever notice in the grocery store it's always kind of on the bottom rack yeah. and it always looks like we have no like, respect for cabbage, cabbage in this country. Cents a pound. People, listen, respect the cabbage. You heard it here first. It's gonna be trending 2019, the year of the cabbage. Okay, well, in my my good cook, my 1981 series, yeah. I found this really, really wonderful recipe. For a whole stuffed cabbage. I was just going to mention that. I was looking at that at your house a couple months ago. So now I'm reading this. I read this recipe early this afternoon. And it's kind of like a instead of doing singular cabbage leaves stuffed and rolled, you take this cabbage and you unfurl it and you stuff it with that similar mixture. Again, anything you want. Yeah. And then you tie it back up and you tie it with string. In this case, it has like a mesh string. Oh I don't know. Where, where would you get that? I mean, you could just use cheesecloth. Is it in cheesecloth right now? That's what it looks like. Like it's yeah, a yeah. whole so cabbage. So basically, they take the whole cabbage. Core it out. Take all the meat and the inside out, out. Stuff it. And then wrap it again with uh, some kind of netting or right, cheesecloth. Cheese tie it. Put it in a bowl mm-hmm. to, so it retains its shape. And then cook it again. That's awesome. And it will stay like that. And then you can serve... Instead of like a giant roast, you would serve a whole head of cabbage. And I can't believe neither, neither you or I have made well, this yet. Well, let's do it. What's no, stopping consider us? Consider it done. Consider it done. Isn't that fabulous? That's a great way to cook cabbage. That's really interesting. So, and what else? What, what do you want to know how I would recommend yes, to cook what cabbage? Would, what would this chef recommend for? The, well, I am going to make a recommendation for checking out doing a wedge of cabbage long roasted like oh. I recommend recommended before. And then um, serving it as like a... a 
like replacing a wedge salad with it. Mm. So not doing, I think if you took a big wedge of like red or green cabbage and tried to serve it as a wedge, you might be disappointed. Mm-hmm. The t- it would be very hard. It's just hard. You have to have sharp knives. But long roasting it. And then once you are making your wedge, put some stuff between the oh, layers. Yeah. So like, you know, sprinkle your blue cheese or your bacon or whatever it is in between the layers of cabbage. So when you cut into it, you have like this amazing silky slippery cabbage and then like this crunch and you know, cream of the cheese. It's delicious. This so whole, you're saying it's a whole or quarter, like, quarter like wedges, big of wedges of roasted cooked. long time. So say put your oven on like 400, mm, 425. And you're putting things in between the layers. Right. Get it nice and greasy and a little bit of salt. <laughs> Grease that shit up yeah. and then throw it on the like bottom rack for I don't know, let's say like twenty minutes. Yeah. 25 minutes until it's like real nice and glossy and glossy, real brown. nice and glossy, brown greasy. on the bottom. Yeah. Glossy, greasy cabbage. Brown stick on it, the lick bottom. it. You can lick it, you can stick it, you can taste it. It's cabbage. Don't waste it. And that's our song. <laughs> no, but, um, and then you making it as a salad. And I guess another recommendation I use the liquid from sauerkraut. Ah, My yeah. oh. number one favorite food. Can't get this bitch to stop talking about sauerkraut. Um, I use the liquid in dressings. So instead of using vinegar, sometimes I'll, t- or lemon or any other kind of acid, I'll use the juice from sauerkraut. You could make sauerkraut mayonnaise. Oh my God. Sauerkraut that's juice brilliant. mayonnaise. Yeah. That's smart. Also, I did a menu one time um, on a project that we were working on upstate and we did a beer, like a beer, like a giant Bavarian style pretzel. Do you remember yes. this? And then we yes, did a yes, whipped yes. sauerkraut butter. Whipped so sauerkraut really, butter. That's right. We drained all of the liquid from the sauerkraut and then we like had the kind of drier cabbage and we whipped it like really well with the butter. So when you'd slather that butter on, it was all tangy and salty and delicious. That sounds, now that sounds delicious. Yeah, that's how to use a cabbage. Just last night in preparation for this episode, I actually made a shaved Brussels sprout salad, which I haven't done in a long time. It was very good. Great texture. Little baby cabbages. Tiny baby little cabbages. Yeah. AKA Brussels sprouts. Pe- people feel so comfortable with Brussels sprouts. Maybe I even venture to say too comfortable in this day and age. They're obsessed. Or maybe it, the, the trend is obviously weaned over the years. I'll put it this way. I know when trends are done. And remember, I briefly bartended a couple of years ago yeah. for a couple months. Uh, so I could pay off the cocaine debt. And (laughs) I heard a businessman come to the bar and be like, now I really love Brussels sprouts. Tell me the kitchen has Brussels sprouts. Uh And I was like, like, Brussels sprouts, oh man, it's over. Yeah, 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 it's over. Uh, Next veggie. It's definitely over, but people have accepted them into their lives. And I feel like if we could just give a little of that same attention to its big brother. Of our love to our Brussels. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, listen, this has been a great episode. I feel like I've learned so much about cabbage, and I'm I'm going to go buy lots of cabbage right now. I want to be part of a, the next cabbage. For 10 bucks, I bet you could have three giant heads of cabbage that would feed you for the next three weeks. Yeah. And we didn't even, get, we didn't even talk about cabbage patch dolls. We'll have to make this a two-part episode. Yeah. <laughs> we will. So. They're scary as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, um, everybody, love you. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That's not just something we're saying for fun, it actually helps people learn more about the show and helps us move up and, you know, closer to our dream of buying our very own Cabbage Patch. That's right. Cabbage is not cheap. (laughs) Cabbage is not for free. (laughs) All right, guys. All right, well, listen, thanks again for listening. Again, all questions, comments, 
Email us at lifesabanquetshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and check out some of the other fabulous programs that Heritage Radio Network has to offer. There are so many, and you can learn all day in your bed, in your gym, on the treadmill, (laughs) in the whirlpool, (laughs) in the bath. (laughs) That's right. Okay, guys. Well, uh, see you next week, and hasta la pasta with sauerkraut. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.